0: Hello and welcome to Real World HR, the podcast which is putting the human back into HR. I'm Louise Kennedy, HR expert, Chartered CIPD professional and founder of award-winning HR consultancy, Oculus HR. In the Real World HR podcast, we focus on people and business, telling the stories that we've learned from and explain the processes that we've supported the solutions. On this episode, I'm joined by Dr. Alka Patel, also known as a health activation doctor, Dr. Attell is leading the world's most impact, strategic self-care revolution, empowering impact-driven people to achieve success while reversing age through lifestyle optimization. And she walks the walk. Her own biological age is almost 30 years younger than her chronical age. On the podcast, we'll hear all about how it's relevant to the workplace to both develop as leaders and support employees, especially when people are working for longer. Are you ready to step into the real world of HR? So thank you very much for joining us today. I am really interested in this kind of topic and and this, and obviously we'll kind of explain as we go through. So do you want to just kind of explain kind of who you are, what you do, um, kind of the experience that you've got? That would be a great starting point for us.
1: Oh yeah, of course, Louise. Yeah, great um, great to to be able to do that. So who am I? It's always a tricky question, isn't it? What do you kind of Lead with. Um, I kind of think my journey went from becoming a drug pusher which is where I started life. It sounds a little bit of an odd thing to say for a doctor, but um, that's what I felt I'd become through my career. I was pushing drugs to my patients, prescribed drugs by uh, by all means, but it felt as though that was the best offering I could give to people when they came to me as a GP. I've been a GP for a long time, over sort of 20 years. And um, it felt like the quickest fix. You've got 10 minutes with, with patients, they land illness in your lap, and it's like, what do I do next? And that's kind of what we're taught in medical school. But I started feeling really uneasy about that because... Because I sort of felt like, and I talk about this in my TEDx talk, but I felt like I'd started practicing what I call McDonald's-style medicine. You kind of drive in, get your drugs, drive out. Next week, there's an even better offer. Get one free, come back. You know, it's like... This isn't what I went to med school for. I jumped ship really to find a better way and really embracing this amazing time that we're alive. Like we're in the, you know, 21st century, right? It is an amazing time to be alive. There is so much advancement around us. There's so much technology. And I know a lot of the time we're kind of worried about tech taking over our lives, but why don't we utilize it to our advantage? So that's where I'm at at the moment. I've gone from drug pusher to data driver, which is very much about, you know, let's just tap into everything you can know about yourself. Your intuition tells you a lot. You do know a lot, but there's so much noise out there, isn't there, Louise? We just don't tap into the signals. So how can we tap into our own biology, our own signals, and then use technology, use transformative technology to really take control, take control of your health?
0: That's that's what I love doing. That's what you enjoy doing. So you obviously GP for quite some time then. And I think completely what you say, obviously, from a HR perspective and dealing with employees in businesses, there's so many people that just get a a sick note and they don't even visit the GP anymore. They can just be done online. They're just given medication. They're not given that extra help that they need to be able to, whether it's counseling services or all the extra things to enable them to function day to day in life, but also to be able to get back into the workplace as well. So there's kind of quite a big driver around that or kind of you know passion from my point of view that actually... People can make a difference, you know. But obviously, if they're only being fed the drugs, then obviously it's more and more difficult to do. So I can kind of completely understand why that came to that point. So was there a particular point that kind of you got to where you thought actually, I, I need to stop that, or do and do this, or was it a bit of a kind of you know a filter through to think actually if I slow down on that, then I can do that. What was your what was your thoughts to move from one one area of kind of uh, of being a GP to to what it is that you're doing now?
1: Yeah, do you know when most people kind of share what was that catalyst? What that what was that moment? There's always a story, isn't there? And yeah. Uh, and yeah, you you're, you're getting into my heartstrings here, Louise, because my story. I mean, there's probably a couple of layers, but one of the key ones was my own dive into burnout um, for myself. And you know, when you're really passionate about what you do and you're driven by that passion and you're driven about this desire to give, which all business owners are. They're in the you know in the game of giving. That's what we do as business owners. Um, and I was doing that as a GP as well. Um, But ultimately, I'd forgotten to take care of myself. So I had a big sink into into my own burnout, which sadly kind of resulted in hospitalisation. And my recovery wasn't at the end of a pill or at the end of an injection. My recovery lay at the end of taking care of myself. And I thought, well, if if I need that, surely that's got to be what People need. I do a lot of work with workplaces. And part of the reason for that is, again, as a GP, the number of people I'm seeing with work related issues that don't immediately seem to be work related. But when you're talking about things like stress, I think, you know, there was a survey done by the CIPD which found that nearly about four fifths of people, 80% of people, of experienced stress, which has resulted in absence from their, from their workplace. Yeah. And do you think the root in that type of circumstance could often
0: come from the likes of stress? You know, stress being the kind of the, the catalyst to, to enable that for other people, kind of to, to go down the diabetes route and things.
1: Yeah, stress is a really interesting um, word, isn't it? Because it's kind of banded about a lot. We'll use a lot of words that we kind of, you know, chuck out there and, and stress seems to be one of those. Um, but I do say that I love stress. we're laughing it might sound a bit of a you know crazy thing to say like what do you mean you love stress but when you go to kind of physiology and how you're made stress is a real activation for us so we all need an element a degree of stress in our lives to give us that get up and go like your stress hormone is called cortisol you you need that but when that stress activation is relentless which is what often happens you know in life at work is it's that never-ending cycle of there isn't any any ebb and flow, it's constant, then it starts causing issues in terms of, again, back to your physiology, inflammation is what then is triggered by stress and inflammation then triggers pretty much every other disease process that's that's going, including aging. So stress speeds up aging. And that's a very, very strong correlation there as well. Yeah, definitely. So just backtracking to kind of obviously your
0: personal circumstance that that you got into um, a burnout stage, and, and we do a lot of work with GPs supporting their the practices with regard to their HR and people side of things. So so we kind of we have the the experience of the GPs who are actually just received an email this morning a GP who's off on long term sick due to burnout and stress stress related, and it's such a it's such a difficult area to do something about, isn't it? Because obviously GPs job is to do what GP needs to do isn't it and you can't really take an awful lot of it away so I can imagine obviously you getting into that to that point of burnout and obviously being so unwell you you had to then think right okay there are other options as opposed to taking a pill and kind of making it so so it was very much obviously a life-changing moment for you at that time wasn't it to be able to take the next step not just from thinking about what you were going to do from a career point of view but for you personally Um, and do you think because you've changed personally that enabled you to be able to change kind of the focus on what you're
1: delivering during your career? Oh yeah, a hundred percent. Because I think a big thing for me was almost sort of redefining what health is. I'm working in health. I'm a healthcare professional. And yet I hadn't ever paused to think about what is health. And I just wonder even people listening is, you know, have you ever really thought about what health is. And once I recognised and really tuned into what I now believe health is, that's what started to make a difference. Because I think what I'd found, um, again, through my career and even, you know, amongst friends and families and colleagues is that health sort of seems to be this thing that you think you can just have. You know, I've got health, right? I have health. Because um, it's like, you know, I, I want a dress and I want a car and I want health. And it's not like that. It can't really objectify health in that same, in the same way. But we tend to do that. Um, but what health really is, and this is what I talk about in my TEDx talk as well, is it's a verb. It's not a noun. It's something that you need to do. So you can't just have health. Because even if I gave it to you and said, hey, Louise, here's health. Well, you know, how long are you going to keep it unless you do something? Which is why really health is something that I, I talk about and teach about as a skill right? Something that you can just get better and better at. So I think if we get to that point of defining what health means for you, then you can start doing the doing that means that you can really reach those exceptional levels of, of health. And we're talking about sort of words that get banded about quite a lot. Um, another one that kind of goes with health a lot is is self-care as well, isn't it? So we're talking a lot about self-care. You Google self-care and there's, you know, so much that, that comes up. And again, for me, self-care is about It's the driver to reach the level of health that you want to experience. So it's you need a strategy behind that. Though again, people think about self-care and think about bubble baths and massages, right? And I love those, like, you know, all for, a, all for a nice bubble bath and a nice massage. But where's the strategy behind that in terms of where you want your health to go? And again, this feeds very much into the workplace as well in terms of, you know, the strategy for health in your workplace or the strategy for health in your own personal life, if you're a leader or, or a business owner as well, is it's having that kind of very strategic streamlined approach to self-care to then achieve health yeah and I think I was thinking about this when I was driving here today a lot of it people
0: often mention is around mental health obviously mental health is kind of you know huge for us you know for everybody but kind of obviously the interactions that we have within the workplace of different companies is 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 huge for us Um, but actually sometimes what's missing there is that the conversation around physical health isn't it you know, I think, the, the you know, mental health is such a big focus. It's a, it's an area whereby companies say, I don't know what to say, I, I don't know what to do, I don't know how to behave with a person, I don't know what I can do and what I can't do, and should I say this, should I do this, should I take that route of action? And some people are kind of so, so scared, some of the business owners are so scared about the actions that they take around mental health, and people deal with things easier and physical. But when you're talking about kind of people being at that health, you know, and kind of the strategy behind it, it's not just about your your mental wellbeing, but it's actually about your physical wellbeing. And I think that's... That- that is lost in conversation at the moment. It doesn't. It's not something that's kind of regularly spoke about. What What's your thoughts on that? Yeah,
1: and I'm glad, so glad you've picked up on that because kind of we, we tend to swing the pendulum in one direction or another, but don't kind of find that that happy medium where we can ebb and flow between the two. And you're right. The conversation has swung so much towards mental health, which has been important and it's had a certain you know without a right, doubt yeah. exactly time mm-hmm. and a place for that. I also sort of worry about the word mental. As well, yeah, um, not a great and, word, is it? Exactly, and, you know, all of those connotations and vision visuals that come up with that. I much prefer to talk about emotional health because we all we all have emotions, and and that's you know it's a, a much more kind of positive way to lead that lead that conversation. Um, but you know, really, kind of if you think about it, no amount of mindset training or you know tapping or mindfulness is really going to then shift what also needs to happen in your physical body. The two work in synergy together, absolutely. But I've always found that starting with the physical, you know, if you're sitting all day at work, you mentally, emotionally, that's going to be affected. So stand up, right? Changing your posture, which is physical, is going to then affect your clarity your focus your your energy your emotions so really thinking about you know what is that what is that starting well, they work together as i said it's not about you know it's it can sometimes feel like chicken or egg but we've got to 100% bring those physical health conversations into into the workplace um, as well haven't we
0: yeah, oh, without a doubt, and I think, and I think there's a lot of times that people don't realise that actually, you know, just going for a walk, you know, on a morning or before you go to work or when you come home, you know, the, the small things like that do make a big difference to how you feel emotionally, um, and kind of from your own well-being point of view as well, isn't? I, I would, I would think, um, so I think, I think that physical health is, is definitely part of it, and is that part of the work that you do that people think about kind of the emotional health as you were calling it, and then the physical health as well? Is that kind of how? you um, support people um, with the work that you do now?
1: Yeah, it's through a combination um, of things and I again, during my period of of feeling unwell and being uh, unable to work I also really thought about what are those elements of your day to day that make up your lifestyle. For me, you know, what was it in my lifestyle in the way that I was styling my life, the way that my day-to-day was running that was impregnating into how my health was showing up. Um, and so, yeah, so what I do is I I've created a sort of a, a really easy to remember acronym for what those elements in your lifestyle are that feed into your health and feed into your longevity. And it's things like, and I'll very quickly kind of list them off, but it's your, it's things like your life purpose, Right, so and that's really important. People who live with purpose, i.e., you've got a reason to get out of bed every morning, add seven and a half years to your life. I mean, a, a staggering. It's a staggering statistic. It's you know, again, thinking about the workplace, like why do you go to work? Why do your feet touch the ground every day? And if you've got a real highlight into what that reason is, you're adding years to your life. And you're adding life to your years. And it it sounds like a simple thing to do, but when I ask people, and when I talk about this in my course as well, um, and on my retreats, it's people don't really, haven't given themselves the space to think about that. So there's there's life purpose is the L, I is your identity. So sort of, you know, Who are you? That kind of, that personality your values? How do you lead? What do you show up with every day? Because we're again, also, you know, very into our to-do lists and I've got to tick this off and get through this. And this is what I mean. And both of us, I'm sure I've got a a to-do list for today. I, you know, hands up. I certainly do. But alongside it, what about a to-be list? right? To be, that identity piece. How are you showing up when you are on this conversation with Louise today in this, in this podcast, right? How am I showing up? Am I going to be, do I want to be fun or curious or or passionate? Or do I want to be, you know, a and a bit disinterested? Like I get to choose, right? So it's thinking about those value pieces every time you turn up to a meeting or write a report or do a piece of work. Um, FES, food, exercise, sleep. You know, we, we talk about these things all the time, don't we? But it's getting into the conversation about. What to eat, when to eat, why to eat, how to eat, you know, exercises, movement. I mean, I've got, you know, a set of dumbbells by my by my desk. I'm actually standing on one leg balancing right now, and you can't even tell, right? So it's all of this is actually feeding into your, your health as well. Um, and sleep is a massive one, Louise. It, you know, it's really, really huge. Um, and just bringing this into the workplace a bit, I mean, we we know that most businesses don't survive, right? I think the statistics vary, but the one that I've got is about 60% of businesses survive. Beyond three years. And so we know it takes a lot of grit for business to succeed, right? So, what do most business owners do? Well, they sacrifice sleep. 40%, 40%, 50% of business owners sacrifice sleep. They only sleep, what, four or five hours a night because there's just so much to do, right? There's so much to do. But there's a bit of research that was done at Stanford University and it looked specifically at business owners. And this is really, really interesting because what it found was that. If you slept less than six hours for just two consecutive nights, your productivity, your performance dipped, dropped for the next six days, right? So just think about that. Like you don't sleep well for two nights. And then for the next six days, your productivity is down. And this is huge for business because like, you know, your productivity is of course what is reflected in your bottom line, right? And so then if sleep is affecting your productivity, then you've got to make sleep a priority so it stands to reason to sort of to to do that and yet business owners don't so it's really turning the tide on that is that's got to be part of your strategy it's got to be in your business plan I talk about having a self-care plan in in your business plan when I go into organizations to sort of support their well-being initiatives it's like you know do that because it, that's what makes a makes the difference and then if you're doing that as a leader and exemplifying that you're giving permission to your employees and your teams to also do that, and then they're going to turn up more energetic, more focused, more creative—all of that, which is then going to translate into much better um, productivity and quality of work, isn't it? So that's the kind of strategy um, around that. Um, I'll go through the rest of the acronym before I forget: L-I-F-O-S. Uh, so T is time out. So again, you know, are you taking time out? from what you're doing and people think of time out as a sort of a bit of laziness or you know not being productive but it's not that at all because we're not designed to go, 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 like we're talking about stress. We're really not designed as human beings to have this continuous go. We're designed to ebb and flow, but in a very purposeful way. So if you do take time out, as you mentioned, whether it's going for a walk, having a break, you know, planning what's going to happen every month, every quarter, every hour, every day for a bit of time out, you're actually tapping into part of your brain that you can't access when you're doing So when you're doing, you're accessing, you know, your beta waves, your kind of active waves, um, very much in terms of, of doing the task in hand. But when you step out of that, you access what are called theta waves, and that's where all your creativity sits. So if you're trying to solve a problem and you can't get to the bottom of it,
0: stop trying like yeah yeah when you're just taking the, when you're taking the time out isn't it when you're doing something different and I think sometimes I'd, I certainly think without realizing I'm thinking about it you know so I'd, I'd i like driving the car you know sometimes I'll go a longer route round because I've I know I've got something on my mind but I'm trying to kind of process it but I'm not thinking when I get out of the car oh I've resolved that but actually when someone asks me I can give an answer out to think oh, I didn't realize I'd really thought that all the way through and kind of come up with what it is that I wanted to do so so it is a different way of being able to think of you am know, I'm, I'm a regular while well, I live at the, live at the beach. So kind of this morning I'll go out and do three miles before kind of start the day, which is lovely to be able to do because you're you're walking on this, you know, the on the seafront and you know, people, loads of people doing so many different things that actually, you know, some people are doing boot camp classes, some people are doing yoga, some people are in the sea, you know, and just to be able to kind of soak that all in while you're walking gives the time out. And I think I used to often listen to I did this morning listening to a podcast, but I used to often listen to podcasts every day. And sometimes there was just so much information going in that that timeout space, headspace wasn't available. So I think that's kind of that that timeout element of it is so important to... From a business owner, I think there's so much goes on with a business owner. I think it can be such a, if you're doing it on your own, it can be such a lonely place to be able to do it on your own. So to enable yourself time to be able to think and to be able to kind of um, think about what the next steps are and how you take it. And and you, um, I think, is is a lesson I've certainly learned over the last kind of uh, probably about eight months. And I've been in business for 10 years, you know, so it's, it's only been kind of something that I've now kind of got into and kind of understand. I think the time out part of it is... Is good, yeah. I think it's it's so important.
1: Oh, amazing! And and I love that you're sharing how you do that because don't undervalue it. There was something deeper going on that you didn't even have to think about going on, but it was going on. So you know, it's back to what I was talking about with that innate intuition is learn to kind of trust yourself, and then you will start to hear those signals, which in the noise of business world is you just don't hear that, do you? So, oh, I love that you're that you're that you're doing that, and you know, it's absolutely a recommendation for for everyone listening is just find your space. Yeah. And I think it makes a difference. So the other thing I'd start at the beginning of this
0: year was yoga, which I'd never done before. I'd always, always fancy doing it. And now I'm on to probably about five, six times a week. <laughs> so I've gone kind of from nothing. But I, that time out in space of kind of going in, I do the hot pod yoga. And so to go into a room, which is obviously hot, you know, with the heat, but then you can, you can carry on and do the yoga and you're not thinking about anything else. So you're not thinking about kind of, Work, family you know any other pressures that are going on you're literally you're there in the moment of doing what you're doing and actually that's probably been the best time out opportunity for me that I've Experience. I think you're so busy when you've got, when you. my children are now kind of um, 18 and 15, but, you know, when, you, when the kids are younger and you're kind of setting a business up and you, you're 100%, you know, 100 miles an hour continuously and then you take other roles on like, oh, I'll be a governor of a school, oh, I'll be a governor of another school and then I'll be a director of somewhere else, you know. So you're doing all those things because you think, oh, actually, there are things that you want to do, but actually to stop and take time and reflect on yourself, I think, is just kind of imperative, isn't it?
1: Yeah, oh no, 100%. So last year, I got the sense that I really needed to step out. I had a sort of big birthday coming out. And you know what big birthdays are like? It's like everyone like, where's the party? And what are we doing? And I was like, no. So I actually took myself off to uh, the mountains in Spain. I just had this sense that I just needed to be closer to a mountain. And I went off on my own. And for seven days, I didn't utter a single word. I was totally silent For seven days. And the beauty of that, Louise, is the only conversation I could have was with myself, which when I got to know me and I could really think about things without even having to necessarily process them. And it was some of the soft things, the questions that I'd ask myself, you know, what is what is love or what is life or you know, what does the sun on my face mean? And I I had no notifications on my phone because that's another thing is, you know, we've got a lot of digital distractions as well. Um, And I kind of learned to tell the time looking at the sun. And I learned to tap into when I was hungry by just, feeling my hunger signals rather than all right it's 12 o'clock time to have time to have a break and you know it's fascinating but a lot of people don't want to spend that time with themselves and again I would so recommend a bit of solitude and I'm not saying everyone's going to go and sit under a mountain for seven days like I did right but you know can you find seven minutes in your day mm-hmm. yeah and you don't do you you don't
0: because life is so busy. And I think that the communication element of it of what, as you say, you know, you're continuously getting messages, whether it's WhatsApp, whether it's emails, whether it's Facebook or LinkedIn or what, whatever it is, you're continuously getting fed in with information. And I think uh, we did a cru- cruise earlier the year, a bit different than what you did. Um, but, but, but you didn't have that level of communication. You didn't have the Wi-Fi. You didn't have the level of communication. And I think that was a real kind of turning point for me that actually you need to take a step back sometimes and not always allow all of that communication in because it. It clouds your head. It clouds what it is that you're trying to do and what it is that you're trying to achieve there. So I really respect the fact that you've gone off for seven days and <laughs> <I> not <don't laughs> spoke to anyone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but such a, because I'd spoke to somebody else and they'd gone to India and they'd done a 10-day silent retreat, actually, um, and they'd come back feeling completely transformed in life you know they'd, they'd um, kind of really took the next step in their life of what they need to because they said it was such an amazing experience what they'd had.
1: Try seven seconds if if you can do that try seven minutes um, but it's really interesting because there's sort of solitude which I think is so important for all of us but at the on the other side the why for lifestyle L I F E S T Y is your connections because on the flip side we're also very very connected as humans, social connections is what sets us apart really from, from so many other species. And so we've got to really, again, build on those connections that we're making with with people. And again, be really purposeful about who are we surrounding ourselves by? How are we communicating and connecting with others? Because loneliness, which is very different from solitude, but loneliness also has a huge impact uh, on your health as well. There's the, there's the part of a brain that lines up lights up. When you're feeling lonely, and it's the same part that lights up when you're experiencing physical pain. Right. Okay. Which is again so fascinating, isn't it?
0: It is. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't. I would never have thought that that would have been one of the same thing. You know. I think it's because again, it's a word that's used quite easily, isn't it? You know. To it, you know, like when we talk about stress, you know, it is a word that can be used quite easily um, in different circumstances about how you kind of combat that. I'm just thinking from kind of a from a work point of view people, I'm kind of probably going slightly off here, but kind of people turn up for work on a daily basis, and you know we expect people to to do what they're being paid to do—that they come in, that they do the job. But actually, underlying a lot of these things that you've gone through, there kind of all that self care. A lot of people aren't doing that; rather, they're not—they're not kind of taking then they don't know enough about it to be able to kind of take responsibility to be able to do it themselves. Which means that when people turn up and they maybe is present and they're at work, but they're not really doing the job that needs to be done. Um, But they can be underpinned by things such as stress, loneliness you kind of their personal circumstances that are taking place at home. There's a lot that underpins how people turn up every day, isn't it? Which is back to kind of what you said really about, you know, you, uh, the identity element of it and the turning up kind of who you want to be on a daily basis. And again, I don't, well, what do you think? Do you think a lot of people turn up and know who they are each day? Or do you think that's kind of a, a, a way that people are starting to change and become more aware of themselves?
1: Mm, I think it's also, it's about communication, so again, you know, turning up for work, well, there's probably someone next door to you or in the same building as you that you can have a conversation with and taking space to to do that. And, you know, those simple words, how are you? Again, we can ask them very flippantly and not really be interested in, in the response or be interested in the response. And often what I encourage people to do is to sort of ask the question twice, how are you? No, no, really, really, how are you? yeah. I I think there's a few
0: things that you could, from a business point of view, you could put in place around wellbeing, you know, we talk about wellbeing strategies and things, but but actually, what, what is a strategy from a business point of view? What is it that they can do that makes a difference to their employees to ensure that they turn up, the employees turn up being the best version of them to be able to enable them to be able to do the day based upon the fact that they know that they um, are, are well and that they have, have good health and that they look after themselves with regard to exercise and food and, you know, kind of the, the sleep element of things. It's very difficult from an employer point of view to try and enable people to be able to be the best of them based upon all of the information that you've said, really, isn't it?
1: Mm, But that's where connection and communication comes to life, doesn't it? You've got to keep that open, transparent communication channels open. But be really interested because otherwise it feels like, oh, you know, very, very tick boxy. You've got to understand each other's experiences, talk to people, get them interested in not just the problem, but also the solution so that people feel very involved in, you know, what is what are the solutions? Get people excited, start recognising, start rewarding, you know, thinking about all those sorts of things. It all fits with connections in a workplace, communication um, in a workplace. Because if you haven't got that, then that degree of isolation doesn't bring out the best in people. And I think even we had a situation um, just a couple of weeks ago and
0: uh, this lady's husband's very unwell, but the people in the business don't always ask. She doesn't say anything and then people don't ask, but then she's upset that people don't ask. But then she doesn't say, you know so but it so it very much comes back to communication, so I'd kind of met with her and said, you know you you need to kind of you know encourage the conversation if you wanted to talk about it about your husband and about him being unwell, you know you also need to allow people to know that that conversation's okay to have, you know you know because people don't necessarily want to kind of dive into something that's personal when you're not a you know, a given information type of person. So so it's interesting what people sometimes think about and what it is that they want and expect. So that communication element of keeping the flow of communication open between the employer and the employees, is really, really important around all aspects of, of the employment, but certainly around kind of from a, from their own well-being.
1: And often, Louise, I think it needs, sometimes it needs a bit of permission giving as well. And again, when you look at sort of leaders um, who are at the helm of organisations, is if, if they're sharing some of their stories, they're sharing their lifestyles, they're sharing their vulnerabilities, then it means others feel able to follow suit So sometimes it's that leading by, by the example setting. And if the leaders are closed off in their rooms, never sharing stories, then employees are also going to feel that this isn't my space to to talk about what's going on at home with me, or how difficult things are, or what that diagnosis I got last week was. Work doesn't feel like that space. You can do that, um, but if you want to really shift culture, and again allow work, you know, I think health is everyone's business. It's not the health doesn't belong in the healthcare industry. Health is everyone's business. Caring is everyone's business. All businesses are caring businesses so you've got to bring that to life not just it's you know one of the values on your website
0: right you know we we all work differently don't we when one size doesn't fit all and actually so what might what suits one person doesn't necessarily suit another person but actually the flexibility building that into people helps around all of this element of it doesn't it you know if they if they know they can um, do something for themselves during the course of the day or if they need to go and pick up children or whatever that that all builds into your own personal health isn't it because you've got kind of external demands and pressures that are put on you but actually you want to be to be able to provide the best that you possibly can while you're at work as well so is that type of thing that you would look at with regard to kind of the in place um, in workplace
1: yeah oh 100 so there's two bits um to what you've just said one is about um the term work-life balance which has just come to mind from what you're saying in terms of flexibility um, because it's not that you can just leave your life at home and come to work or vice versa lifestyle comes with you Wherever you go, you take your lifestyle with you. It's the way that you style style your life. And so there's gotta be much more of a synergy between those. So I pr- much prefer to talk about work style, lifestyle synergy. I mean, it's a bit more of a mouthful and it's, you know it's not as easy and off the tongue as work-life balance but it's got so much more meaning to it. And I think, as you say, you know, you're at work, and, and something happens with the kids, and you need to go and pick them up. It's not this feeling of guilt that you need to have, or this feeling of anxiety. It's a feeling of, yeah, I can melt, I can blend, and I can mold to this, and I've got the agility to be able to do this. And likewise, if you're at home making dinner, and there is an email you need to respond to, or there is a deadline that you had to meet, you're not not in in guilt or feeling that like you're not present with your children or your family because that sort of level of blending and synergy and integration. It's just part of how you allow allow life to to roll and want it to roll. So it's again that permission giving to yourself that you can you can do this. You can allow though that synergy in your lifestyle to just follow you wherever you're going
0: and I think because
1: of the integration
0: between the two as you're talking about there which I really like kind of that idea that does roll into each other and, and I'm very looking kind of my team do work like that you know so that that really is is very beneficial but that's where that time out becomes more important doesn't it but actually you know that you need to do something or deliver something to be able to enable something to be complete or a deadline that needs to be done like last night I did uh, I was working until about 10 o'clock knowing that something needed to be done knowing that I couldn't do it this morning and but but in essence, I knew that I was going to get up this morning at half six and then go for a walk, and, be, and I wanted to, and I would prefer to go and do that and have that time out at that time of day, as opposed to doing. So you can kind of fit into your life where it needs to be. Um, so I think that's that's kind of a really a really good idea, and I think an employer who enables that to be allowed to happen becomes a more successful employer with regard to the employees. You're going to attract more employees if you, because years gone by, I used to work in automotive um, when I kind of first started out. And we had to be on-site at uh, 10 to 8 every morning. We'd be there till half past five every night. You finished early on a Friday, um, but you were were there and you were rigid. And if you said, oh, can I I go to um, a school concert or something, it would be a... Absolutely not. You know where, where do you think you're going? And then you would build that whole anxiety around you've got kids at home that you want to be able to see, and you can't. So it's it's kind of it, and probably one of the big catalysts of me starting my business was was for that flexibility when the children were so much younger to be able to enable you to be able to to have that balance that needed to be there, or that I wanted to be there as part of living as well. Um, you obviously then go in a completely different cycle setting a business up, and um, but kind of that you you weren't as restricted as what you were within within that workplace. So I think a lot of people. People must struggle with that because I don't think, I don't think there's a huge amount of workplaces that provide a massive amount of flexibility. I think it's still, it's, it's, not quite as forward as what it could be or should be.
1: Yeah, yeah. Which then actually very usefully dovetails into the next part of L I F E S T Y L, which is learning habits. Because as much as we want flexibility and need agility, we're also creatures of habit. So if you can learn to build in habits a bit like you that is sort of saying, listen, my non-negotiable is this 6.30 walk on the beach and that's that's happening, whatever else is going on, you've built a habit around that, that you're not even having to think about it. It's just almost sort of automated into your life that that's important. And now I've done it so many times now, it's a sustainable long-term thing that I do. So how do you build in healthy lifestyle habits that can serve you? Now, we know, again, breathwork is supercharging in terms of energy and mood as well, but most people don't think about how they breathe because we just don't, right? And yet, if you built in just a very simple breathwork practice built onto a habit that you already had. So, for example, for me, I know that every day I turn my computer on. Most people do, right? So, if you create a habit that says, when I turn my computer on every morning... I will take six slow, deep breaths, then you've created a breathing habit. And six is that magic number. If you can slow down your breathing to less than six breaths a minute, you activate what's called your parasympathetic nervous system, which is your calmer nervous system rather than your sympathetic nervous system, which is your stress nervous system. So you're immediately then starting your day in a different place to if you didn't do that. So you can create those. And there are so many lifestyle habits that you don't need Long for, so I often talk about sort of one-minute moves, like creating a habit of taking a you know a, a break every every hour on the hour to hydrate, or going and often doing a power pose in the mirror, or making a positive affirmation, or stepping out into the sunlight. You know, hook these habits on to things that you're already doing, and these are things that are going to have a huge effect on your energy and your clarity and your focus, etc. So, there's also habits that you can build into your lifestyle, as I said, that can come to you to work, with you to work but that don't have to get thrown off because another demand comes in.
0: Yeah. And you, as you say, you can just build those into something quite easily. And I think when you were talking about the breath work there, because I've been doing yoga, I think um, the breath has been a massive thing, um, you know, and actually that you can take from your yoga mat and kind of take out day to day. And if there, if there is anything that you kind of think, oh, you know, a, a particularly difficult situation or something that's coming up, you can just kind of default into into being able to into be able to breathe properly and kind of take those long breaths and. And I think that does make a difference. It does make a difference to how your mindset works. And actually I was talking to someone about it yesterday. Um, when people talk about kind of challenges about around setting a business up and, you know, people say, Oh, you know, what's been the biggest challenges? I've never particularly thought that there's been a massive challenge because I think it's about all the ways that you've been able to think, the way that you've been able to process, the way Breathing kind of makes a massive difference on it. And I think, so sometimes you might feel, oh, I've got loads to do, but that's different to kind of feeling that you've got massive challenges that you need to overcome because you're able to deal with things kind of in a bit more of a systematic type of way to maybe what I would have certainly, I would probably say that more now over the last couple of years to, to what I would have done kind of prior to that, because I think you just learn a little bit more and understand yourself that a little bit more than what you would have done before.
1: Yeah, and and there's a very fine line, Louise, in business between passion and burnout. So that drive, that passion drive to to do more and be more is incredible. But if you don't tune into the signals that are saying, hang on a minute, you know, slow down here or step out here, then you've tipped into burnout. You really, really have. So again, back into tuning into those signals and building in habits that you can layer into what you're doing that are gonna serve you so well that you can still remain as passionate about your business as when you started it, without then tipping into if you burn business burns right. I was speaking to a friend of mine who's a business owner
0: who wants to grow a business very fast and I've said you need to slow down and stop and you need to look after yourself because if you don't look after yourself you're not going to be able to grow the business at the pace that you want to be able to do it and enable you to look after your staff that are in there as well so I think there's so many things that can be put into place within a business and how businesses could consider and think more about what they do with regard to the health of the employees within the business and the impact that could make on on their performance their output their day-to-day activities how they interact with people communication so there's So many benefits that you could get by making sure that the strategy is right and the self-care plan is there in place personally for people to be able to do. So just moving on, obviously, a lot of the work that we've uh, been speaking about is very much um, people within the workplace and about what it is that they're doing, but also kind of from a personal point of view, kind of their own self-care there. One of the things that we mentioned at the very beginning was about um, your kind of uh, the age that you actually are um, and kind of what it is if you kind of have your your health in place and all the, th- all the strategies that we've talked about there, um, about being able to kind of reduce um, the health that you actually are, you, um, you kind of your biological age that's there. So obviously, and actually I was speaking about this to um, a company yesterday, obviously the retirement age is completely different, well there isn't a retirement age anymore um, and this particular company. And he was saying, "Oh, you know, we've got uh, we've got kinds that are out on site, and they're uh, they're nearly 70. And I said, "Well, they can just stay. You know, they're, there's no retirement age. There's no there's no need to kind of uh, to push them to leave. But they might not always. Don't get me wrong. My mum works, and she's seventy three. So, um, but you know, there's there's other people that really can't do um the role anymore. They can't." They can't necessarily do it, but they don't want to leave because they don't want to retire and they don't want to go uh, back to be able to work there. Um, so it's fair to say that obviously people are now working longer and um, that there's kind of a, a different expectation that's there as well. And obviously, I think that's going to become more and more apparent as we move forward in the future. What do you think that this means for kind of the future of the workplace um, with people working longer um, kind of what the implications are from your point of view?
1: I think it's an incredibly positive thing we embrace. And I think we have to pause and think, how incredible is it that people can continue to work and to contribute using all those years of wisdom where they've accumulated experience? But I think what needs to go hand in hand with that is what I like to call vitality. So when I talk about reversing aging, it's not about being anti-age at all it's about exactly what I said retain that wisdom of your years but regain that vitality of your youth so that you've got that continued energy that you can use to then continue to to contribute and so I think we're in this incredible time where we can make a distinction between chronological age and biological age because you'll see people won't you Louise who you meet and then they tell you how old they are and you go what no way I thought you were like you know." 20 years younger than that, and vice versa. You'll also see people who are who seem relatively young in terms of social terms, and yet they seem so much frailer or de-energized or have lots of medical conditions. So what's the difference? Because it's not the number on their passport. It's not that number. The difference is your biological age, which is something that I measure. And increasingly, I'm measuring it in workplaces for employees because employers are cottoning on to how important this is because imagine if you could then reverse the biological age of your workforce as a tangible measure of an increase in vitality and energy and focus and clarity and productivity so that's what a couple of companies that I've been working with are working towards is let's embrace age but let's look at biological age rather than chronological age when we're thinking about the age of our workforce and what they're contributing as well, which is super, super exciting. Uh, completely,
0: and so how would you kind of how do people look at reverse and their? Obviously, you can't tell me everything that needs to go into it, but kind of like just a snapshot of how would people give consideration about reversing their biological age.
1: So first of all, you need to measure it. Of course, you've got to know your, your your starting point is the first thing, and then a lot of the things that we've already spoken about in terms of your lifestyle contribute very much to longevity and aging as well. So if you get right into the core of it, things like inflammation and what's going on there is really important. So thinking about well, how am I going to be more anti-inflammatory? How am I going to process stress differently? Eating more antioxidant foods, for example, is a good way. We haven't talked about something like intermittent fasting where you eat within a a much more sort of time-connected window. Again, we know that this way of eating, not in the form of abundance where food's everywhere and you eat all the time, but really getting your body and mind to think, hang on a minute, I'm in survival mode here, like food's not coming at me all day. And that increases your your survival tendencies and reverses your aging. Um, things like um, cold water therapy hot water therapy uh, sauna therapy light therapy infrared therapy there's again lots of very exciting things that can be measured that will reverse aging movement exercise you know all all of this is so much data and information around it so it's then thinking again back to having a strategy around okay yeah this is my chronological age this is my biological age i want to reverse it what am I going to do to enable that? So I've got a little um, test that I do for people, which is uh, just a simple questionnaire, very much sort of steeped in, in research. And I call it the LQ. Um, and you'll, I've just done it this morning. <laughs> the, uh, there you go. <laughs> so you'll have found it. it's a series of questions, mm-hmm. but very much like how you find out your IQ or your EQ, we talk about emotional intelligence. This is your lifestyle quotient. This is your lifestyle intelligence. Like which area in your lifestyle, when I talked about L-I-F-E-S-T-Y-L-E, Which area needs your attention that will enable you to live longer, live younger? live with more vitality, live with more energy, not have to fight. be fighting diseases. So it's then zoning in on that area for you. And so for, for you, it might be sleep, for example. So what I tend to do with a lot of my clients is not just guess and not just give very generic advice like, oh, you know, you need to get off your phone and you need to go and, um, you know, not have coffee after two o'clock. It's look at your personal data. So um, I use a lot of tech and devices things like wearable rings bio data rings for example and then we analyze your sleep data together or i'll put a sugar sensor on you so that we can really look at how are you responding to food so that you take the guesswork completely away from what you're doing and really make it so precise and personalized to you and so imagine that then you are reversing your aging would measure again because you don't want to be doing the wrong thing um like your yoga, I'm sure is reversing your aging for you. But if you're also at the same time going crazy in the gym and doing, you know, endless weight classes of weightlifting and really pumping hard, that's an added stressor on your body that increases aging so you've got to find that goldilocks effect for you like what is it right what's right for you um so those are kind of key things to do and those are things i sort of also do on my retreats as well is you know many people won't have experienced some of these things that you you can do so this is where you know at my retreats and events we can get really immersive into trying things out experiencing them for yourselves in a nice kind of safe as we talked about community and connection doing it in a safe environment as well
0: yeah, definitely. I'm pleased. I've been, I'm doing intimate fasting as well, so I've been doing that for about four or five months. So that's a that's a good. Uh, and so I think we need the information to measure your bioage,
1: Louise. Yeah, yeah, I know.
0: I needed to know what it was at the beginning of the year, but it but it but feel great because of you know the things that you've put in that I've put in place over kind of the last six months has enabled me to feel so much better in myself, and I think that is probably a stress reduction and well, kind of. Can I know, ask the, you
1: what was your trigger eight months ago for changing up things? Um, I think I, um,
0: I went on a big holiday, a Florida holiday in August last year, and then came back from that and just felt unwell. Just not not to the point of going to the doctors to do it, but just, well, I did. I just felt generally unwell. And I ended up with, um, you know, when you have your inflammation of your muscles underneath your, yeah, your, um, your rib cage and everything. Yeah. yeah, which was really, really painful and um, took a few months for them to diagnose. But I just generally felt run down, kind of didn't really know what I was doing, kind of just a bit, just a bit, just a bit rubbish really. And I just thought as I was towards the end of last year, I thought I just need to do something. I just need to take some action. and I'd I'd always walked any well over the last three or four years I've kind of walked every day but it was that right okay what else am I going to do what am I going to do for me what am I going to do time wise because it was affecting it wasn't affecting the business but I kind of I thought actually I can do more in the business and the business can grow and it's got more potential but actually I'm a bit I'm stuck so therefore the business can't take the step forward because I'm struggling to take the next step so I started yoga at the beginning of the year which was great Um, and then that's just kind of picked up and picked up and then we had a couple of week holiday Uh, a friend had talked to me about intimate fasting last year in September Mm. and um, she'd lost some weight but said you know she generally felt really really good so I'd kind of like thought about and put it on the back burner but then we went away and did a cruise in February and came back and I just thought I just need as I said about that noise all the information that mm. was going in and um, I was doing a training course at the same time so I just felt like I needed to do something for me about it um, and yeah so generally I've been kind of just picked up the, the fast and from the beginning of March time um, kind of fast normally 18 hours a day um, but feel great for it you know kind of more focus more clarity kind of insulin levels are better you know information's better obviously lost weight you know so there's been so many benefits Benefits that have gone with that, that has kind of everything for me recently. Everything slotted in together very well, which has given me kind of the business focus to kind of get me back on track to be able yeah. to take the steps. And I think so, you've
1: highlighted so well that there is a direct correlation between your health and the health of your business. If you're not at your peak, your business isn't going to be at at its peak. And sometimes you don't even recognize how much more could go on in your business because you kind of resign to like, oh, I just feel rubbish. This is how it's meant to be. Oh, I'm just tired all the time, but that's fine. I've just got lots to do. But no, we're not, again, designed to be tired all the time or feel feel rubbish or have a lack of energy. We're not made like that. So don't ignore it, right? Just there's something that you can do 100%. Get your data, know what's personal to you, and then take the measures that you that, that you need to and then keep feeding back for yourself like like you are, like, you know, really kind of tap into what difference is this making for me? Yeah. And
0: it's huge. And I think it's huge from a business point of view, I feel very, very focused, you know, kind of, I know where we're going, I know what we're doing and all the, the new things that we're doing, kind of keeping things up to date. So, so that focus there has kind of given so much clarity to me. And I, and I truly think it's because of all the things that I've done personally to enable me to get to this point to be able to do it. And, and, I think the other big thing is not feeling guilty about it. I love to travel, so not feeling guilty about um, you know we were in London last week and did Wimbledon a couple of weeks before that. We'd gone off and done the, the Scotch 500, you know. So not feeling guilty about that time because I've now got a really good team that's underneath me to be able to support. That actually I'm not worried about the day to day because I know that they'll pick that up. So it's 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 entrusting and delegating to other people as well that they they um, feel comfortable with what I'm doing and I think they can see that I'm thriving. So therefore they know that the business is thriving and then they can they 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 come with me on the journey that's there. So I think there's so many important bits for me in that element of it, that that's, it's made a massive difference, which is why I was really looking forward to having a conversation with you because I think it's been such a prominent part for me over the kind of the last like six seven months really. So brilliant. So I suppose just kind of rounding up, what would be your biggest piece of advice for a business owner or a manager that they can kind of realistically implement to enhance the workforce um, around kind of the health and the well-being of the employees that they've got? What would be? And I know you've got loads yeah. of advice because <laughs> we've talked <laughs> about loads of it. What would be kind of a, a starting point? You know, if somebody says actually I'm um, I'm kind of I'm interested I'm and what's being said there, what would be your starting point on it? Yeah,
1: oh, that's such a good, you can hear my brain ticking, can't you? Because it's like, oh, <laughs> there's so much there. Um, so I'm going to narrow it down to the three C's, which is compassion, connection, and customization. And the reason I say those three is because we are all innately compassionate, right? Human, homo sapiens, human beings, that's how we've involved, we care for each other. We've talked about this um, already. So herald yourself as a compassionate caring organization. Really, really impregnate that. And then communicate, share that with your organization. Communication, as we've we've already highlighted this, it's got to be a two-way street, right? There's got to be a two-way street between the leaders and the managers and the teams and the employees. Like, Make it feel like there's connected communication between you all. And then customize, because what you don't want to end up with is sort of off-the-shelf care, Right You don't want to just go and buy an employee assist program or give people gym memberships. We know I think there's research that was done. I think a Gallup poll said that only two or three percent of of employee assist programs are actually utilized by. Yes, I've heard very low Most numbers on it. Yeah, they're really low. So that's not what people what people need. So really start to customize. Think about who you're getting in to to support that. There are you know strategists like me, interventionists like me that can come to your organisation, support you with creating that strategic self care plan for each of your employees for your organisation, embedding that into your business plan and your business strategy um, as well. And the more you start to customize and individualise this, the more meaningful it becomes for your teams as well. So I know that's not giving you the actual, you know, go and stand out in the sunlight or or breathe slowly, but it's really giving you the sort of top line for how to make this happen.
0: How to make it different, and I think even as we've just said about the the, the um, questioner that you've got on your website, even that's kind of a good starting point, isn't it, for directing kind of the the employer, the managers to be able to to be able to give a try and give the website out in a second. Um, yeah, so people can give that a try and get a, a report back, so actually they can understand where they're at. But then that would enable them to be able to look at uh, at their workforce as well to be able to ensure that they could be on a similar journey and understand themselves that little bit more as well. Would you say that's also a use Obviously, it's yours, so it's you. Useful. but obviously it's a useful tool uh there to be able to use that would think.
1: oh 100 so on an individual level the lq test gives you a really great picture of your of your starting point and where to focus your attention and i use it in organizations as well so then we can pull that and think about you know where do we where does the organization want to start by focusing its attention and its efforts and then mapping the changes that happen because the lq test you, you start to sort of change on the scale as you start to see the benefits of your intervention so it's a very very good tool for the mapping and measuring and looking at progress and the direction that you're taking. So yeah, every, if there's lots and lots of employers listening, get all your employees to take that LQ test and um, and use that data. And I'm very, very happy to come in and, and, and talk through it and, and share some, some more information about that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to give your website just so people know where to go and have a look for that? Yes, for sure. It's uh, dralkapatel.com. So www.dralkapatel.com and it's slash LQ test, but you'll find it on the, on the homepage anyway, but it's called the LQ. So lifestyle quotient takes about three minutes to complete. You'll get your own personalized um, report from that. And you can always book a complimentary, have a complimentary consultation with me afterwards as well. So very, very happy to speak and chat.
0: Yeah so I think that's a good direction to be able to go in because I think just even when I briefly looked at this morning, I thought oh there's so many there's points in there that you think actually yes I could do something or make a change there as well so I think that's definitely so um, obviously you've given your website uh, is there anywhere else that listeners can find out more about you kind of uh, whether it's about LinkedIn or kind of any other social medias or any other platforms that you're on and um, that you want to share with people as well yeah
1: for sure so my socials um very active which is Dr. Al Patel UK um, so very very happy to receive individual direct messages there's I share a lot of content and advice and information on there as well. So just message me. Uh, I always read my messages and reply um, as well. Um, I've got my um, retreats and events coming up um, through the autumn as well. So that might be great to, if you want to really sort of start to immerse and get up, up close um, a little bit more. It's, there's only sort of 24 people per event. So it's a chance to get um, a much more kind of personalized touch and be with a group of other people um, as well to really start your health activation journey, um, as I like to call it. Um, as well so there's a lot of kind of master classes and knowledge in that but also experiences that like you mentioned intermittent fasting people might be thinking well what is that well let's start that journey for you on the on the retreat and uh, if you want to find out your biological age that's the place to come and do it as well so that's on the on the website as well it's called um hacktivation and that's the name of the retreat yeah Okay, fantastic. I've really enjoyed our
0: conversation today. It's been great just to kind of understand from um, from your point of view of what it is that you do within kind of with the work that you do, but also the impact that it makes upon businesses and what it is that businesses could do to kind of make an impact up in upon their workforce. We often talk around culture. We talk about um, people putting together things like culture books instead of putting handbooks together. You know, so I think feeding in from from what you've said there, I think there's kind of definitely more scope and and certain things that we can be can be picking up with our with our kind of companies that deal we deal with as well on a day-to-day basis i think there's just kind of there's loads of interest there so thank you very much for listening to the real world hr podcast and thank you so much um, for attending today and obviously joining us and being able to share as much knowledge as what you have it's been really really interesting and you can find more information about the things that we've discussed on the episode in the show notes you can subscribe to the podcast so uh, don't you don't miss out on any future episodes and please do leave us a review and rating there as well we're the real world hr putting the human back into hr